why don't you turn with me tonight um, to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. And we're going to continue in our series, The Blessed Life. I mean, let's read this together. It says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about the heart of giving. We're going to talk about the heart of giving. But isn't this a great verse? You know, this is a verse that will get you excited about giving. You just read that and it sounds good. Give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We love to find verses like this in the Bible. They just make you feel good um, just because the, it's rich with the promises of God. It preaches real easy. You know, you can get up and, and shout, you know, give, and, it, and I've done it before. Um, it preaches real easy. So it's a good preaching verse. You always want, because some of the, you know, some, not all verses are created equal. You can't just get up there and preach Jesus well. I mean, you can preach it, but it ain't going to get people shouting. Um, so we love verses like this. It's good. Now, a skeptic might look at this, and if you were reading in your Bible and not just on the screen, and you read a little bit before this, um, they might say, well, if you look at this, Jesus is not actually talking about money in the context of this verse. And they would be right to a degree that Jesus isn't specifically speaking here regarding only our finances. Luke chapter 6 verse 37, just the verse before. says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. The specific context of verse 37 is forgiveness and mercy and judgment. But then in verse 38, Jesus addresses giving in a broader sense. Sure, we can give forgiveness or we can withhold forgiveness. We can give condemnation or we can withhold from condemning others. We can give judgment or we can withhold giving judgment. We can also financially give into the kingdom of God. We can invest our time, our talents, our treasure into the things of God, or we can withhold doing that. But whatever we give, Jesus says, is eventually coming back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is saying that whatever we give, we're going to get a lot more of that kind of thing back in return than what we originally put in. Now that is either a very comforting thought or it's a very frightening and sobering thought. You think about that? Whatever I put in, that's what I'm going to get out. Garbage in, garbage out. You know the phrase. We, we say it a lot of different ways. I mean, we see this throughout the Word of God, throughout the Bible. We know the story of the Shunammite woman and her husband that made a room for Elisha the prophet. And as they sowed good things into the kingdom of God, God blessed them with the Son. God is always faithful when we give of ourselves. Yet we also know the story of Haman who built the gallows for Mordecai. And if we give judgment and vengeance, we're going to get that back 
good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So it, it goes both ways. It, it's, it's a great verse if you're doing what's right by God. But it's a terrifying verse if you're not living right and doing right. We're familiar with the concept of sowing and reaping. It's just a different way of saying a lot of the same thing. It's a divine principle. Galatians 6 and 7, we read about it. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall he also reap. Have you thought about this? This would be a way for God Almighty to be mocked if he didn't make it be this way. If he let us plant bad crops and he let us sow discord and not reap the same, that would be a way that he would be mocked. So he says, it's not going to be that way. If you do what's right, if you sow good things, you're going to get good things back. But if you sow bad things, you're going to reap those bad things. When we plant a seed, we're eventually going to get a lot more back than that one seed that we originally gave away when we planted it. Now the good news is that if we understand this, we can begin to sow crops of blessings into our lives. We can be purposeful in how we treat other people. Some, some people get bent out of shape and say, well, nobody ever gives me a compliment or nobody ever is good to me or nobody ever... Well, are you taking the time to compliment other people? Are you taking the time to sow some good things into other people's lives? The, the golden rule is still true today. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. We can be purposeful in how we treat other people and we can be purposeful in how we give to others and to God so that we would eventually receive it back in the same measure that we gave. Um, if we want to be blessed, we need to be a blessing to others. It's a divine principle. Sow and reap. However, there is a danger here that once we realize the great benefits of giving, that we turn the benefit into giving, the reward for giving, into our motivation for giving. It's very easy to do this, and I can't say that I always get it right. It's so easy to get laser-focused on what we can get that we forget that we're not businessmen and businesswomen willing and dealing with God to get the best deal. We're not trying to be on the used car lot trying to see what we can get out of it, but we don't give for the sake of getting. We get tremendous things for living for God. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's, it's the best life there is. When I've given, I have gotten it back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Yet, we don't give because we can get. God's not trying to get. You know, God's not up there saying, I wish my people would get the revelation of getting. But he wants us to get the revelation of giving. That's how he was. That's what he did. And if we want to be like him, we need to understand what it is to truly know how to give for the right reasons. Now, there are probably some people out there in the world who would say that our motivation for giving doesn't really matter. And to a degree, I would agree. 
We've established in this series that giving our tithes and offering predated the law of Moses. It continued through the law of Moses. Jesus affirmed it. It continued throughout the New Testament. So I'm not excused from giving my tithes and offering if I just say, well, I got a bad attitude this month, so I ain't got to give. It's not how that works. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. So even if I can't do it with the right attitude, I need to do it at least because God commands it. There is a principle of obedience at play. Yet, we would be foolish to think that God doesn't look at us and see if we're truly doing this also for the right reasons. Proverbs 16 and 2, and this is going to be in the New International Version. It says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but, his, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Notice what this verse is saying. It's not actually addressing the person's ways. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but what? Not his ways are weighed. So sometimes we can look at our life and say, I'm doing everything right. I'm giving. I'm serving. I'm fulfilling what I'm called to do. And God says, I don't really have a problem with your ways. I really don't have a problem with your ways. In fact, I don't have to weigh your ways. And I don't have to address your ways. But when I weigh your motives, and when I weigh the reasons why you're doing these things, I see that you can be a little bit out, out of balance. Think of it. The Pharisees had pretty good ways. The Pharisees were really good at having mostly the right ways, but their motives were all wrong, and God sees our motives. And it's important to him that we get the motives right. James 4 and 3, this is also in the New International Version. It says, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It didn't say you don't receive because you're asking for something bad. It said you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong reasons. Your heart is wrong. There are some things, even in prayer, we can pray for good things, but because we want them and pray for them out of a selfish and a prideful heart, God's going to withhold those things and we will not see those prayers bear fruit in our lives. It's true. It's true. And so if our motivation for giving isn't about... isn't supposed to be about what we get, then what is it supposed to be about? And if we back up just a few more verses from our scripture text, we'll see this for ourselves. Luke chapter 6, again, um, verses 32 through 36. It says this, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. 
But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be called children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father is also merciful." Jesus says, give and hope to receive nothing in return. Love those who ain't never going to love you back. Lend to people who you know good and well can't repay you, but they're in need. Why do you tell us to do it that way, Jesus? That, quite frankly, doesn't sound too good to me, some of that. Oh, he says, I want you to do it this way because God, because I am kind to the unthankful and to the evil. We do it that way because our heavenly Father has done it that way. Our motivation for giving is the pure joy of imitating our Father in heaven. How much do you and I, how much do I want to be called his son? How much do we want to be called his children? Do we want to be like our dad? Do we want to be like our heavenly father? Because if we do, we do well to remember our heavenly father is a giver more than he's a getter. He gives freely. He gives abundantly. He gives joyfully. He gives with no ulterior motives. He gives when we deserve nothing and cannot repay it. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we want to be like him, that's how we must be. God doesn't want us to get a hold of the revelation of getting. He wants us to grasp the revelation of giving because he is the ultimate giver. If we want to be pure-hearted givers like our Father in heaven, there are some things that we've got to confront about ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. If there be any poor, if there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy brother, and thou givest him naught, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be a sin unto thee. If we want to become like our father, we've got to deal with the wicked and selfish thoughts that we have that keep us from giving. The Bible clearly says, left unchecked, this can become sin in our lives. When God calls us to give and we withhold, he says, if it cries against you, it's going to be held against you as sin. The selfish heart whispers that if we give, we won't have enough. The selfish heart says that if we give our tithes and offering, God won't be faithful to meet our needs. Selfishness always tries to negotiate and manipulate and make deals with God. No matter what amount God calls us to give, no matter what amount he puts on our heart, selfishness immediately sets to work negotiating for just a little bit less. Anybody know that's true? That you, As soon as you feel it to do it, 
there's there's another thought that comes through, and, and you wouldn't say it's God, but you're like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about that one. You know, that's, a, that's a little too much this time. But it doesn't matter if it is too much or if it's just a little bit. Who knows it's true when you feel like you need to give a 20, and then you think, ah, oh, five will do. Right? We know it. We've experienced it. Selfishness always says that somebody else can make the commitment that God is calling us to make. That what we give isn't really going to matter. That somebody else can do it. And I've found that spiritual giving, at least the, the, what I know of it, is a lot like praying for people. It is more of a spiritual impression or nudge, more than it's a club over your head and a neon sign saying this is the amount. God's probably not going to physically write on the wall the number that you should give in the offering. But while we're praying or while we're in a spiritual moment and all of a sudden you feel to go pray for that person across the way or maybe you feel to do a certain thing or maybe you feel to give an amount of money, that's the Lord speaking to us. And if we want to be a truly spiritual church, we can't shut God out in the realm of our giving. It works the same way this other stuff does. We can't let that fall prey to a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15, 10. Just continues this same chapter. He says, Thou shalt surely give him, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. While the selfish heart attacks us before we give, the grieving heart attacks us after we give. The grieving heart always begins to think, what else we could have done with that money? The grieving heart says, well, I know you gave it to this, but it sure would have been nice to have all this other stuff. We shouldn't be grieved for being a blessing to the kingdom of God. We shouldn't be grieved for giving things back to the source of that thing. It's no, it's no skin off our back. We can grieve also when we feel pressured to give a certain amount. It's true. This isn't mostly on y'all. It's mostly on the pulpit. But we can, and I don't mean Pastor O'Connell, but it usually comes from the front if you feel this way. But we can grieve when we feel pressured to give a certain amount. Now understand, we're not talking about tithes and offering here. We're, we're not talking about things that God has required. If you feel greed for giving your tithes, we ought to repent. I mean, it's, it's just God's way. But going when we're talking about going beyond that 10% in offering, we ought to ask ourselves, does it please God if I'm filled with regret? with regret over being a blessing. Because we're not in this about coercing people into giving their life savings for nothing. If God put it on your heart, you should feel good about giving it, and you shouldn't feel good about giving a penny less. But you also shouldn't feel obligated to give a penny more. It's God. It's either spiritual or it's not spiritual. And if we believe that God's going to speak to us in giving, we have to have the trust in God to speak to people in giving. God says he loves a cheerful giver. And we can give cheerfully when we are honest about what God is asking us to give in that moment. Not what our selfish heart is asking us to give in that moment. Not just, well, God's asking me to give 
a penny because that's the littlest. <laughs> but what he's asked us to give, and what he's asked us to give might not be the biggest sum in the room for the widow with two mites. It was what she had. But that'll always be enough. The other way we can give without having a grieving heart is to have a proper perspective regarding what is our money. We have to remember, and this is so powerful to me, but we have to remember that we are stewards and not owners. God has called us to stewardship, not ownership. The money that I am stewarding in my bank account that God blessed me with was never really mine in the first place. God has entrusted it to me. And you can read the parables and, and see this played out over stories that God tells in Scripture. But it was, He gives it to us. But if I give some of it back, if I return some of it to the source, that's, that's nothing against me. That, that ought not to cause me to grieve. It's easy for me to give when I understand that I'm not the owner of this. I'm just taking care of it for God. He's blessed me with it and he's entrusted me with it for me to take care of. I should feel no grief, remorse, or emotional conflict about giving any portion of that back to God from whence it came. If we're going to be like our Heavenly Father, we've got to be on the lookout for the selfish heart that tries us to to prevent us from giving. We've got to be watchful for the grieving heart that mourns over every penny that we spend or give. Not only those things, but we must embrace having a generous and grateful heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 14, says this, continuing again in this chapter, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy wine press and of that therewith the Lord thy God has blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. When we give, God doesn't just ask us to do the minimum, but God asks us to give generously. Now generously can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But we all know what generous giving means to us. I have no idea, even with my own brother, what generous giving for him is. I don't know all the ways God has blessed him. But I certainly have an idea of what it means for my family. God has called us to give generously. God says, when you give to this person, you're going to furnish them liberally, generously, out of whose flock? So it's thy flock. It's your flock. Generosity is based on what you have, not what somebody else has. Generosity is not a dollar-for-dollar dollar comparison. We remember, again, the widow who gave her last night. And Jesus, God wrapped in flesh, said, she's given more today than anybody else. It's not a dollar-for-dollar dollar comparison. It's not about reaching a number. It's about being able to be honest with God that we are becoming like Him in our ability to be generous. Because when we give generously and when we live generously, we work selfishness and greed out of our lives. The Bible says where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. If we're giving to the kingdom of God and we're giving generously to the kingdom of God and we're sowing into the lives of other people, our heart is going to follow where we put our treasure. We don't 
We don't do what we love. We love what we do. It's what it says. And if we spend all of our time heaping up things for ourselves, if I spend all of my time making things for me, I'm going to love me a whole lot and be concerned with me a whole lot, but I'm not going to have much time for the things of God. When we give in order to see what we can get from God alone, that actually puts selfishness and greed right back in because we are so focused on what we can get. And I'm guilty at times. It's easy to be guilty at times. Yes, God has blessed me. And I hope that you could honestly say that God has blessed you. He has opened the windows of heaven over my life and over my family. I have so much more than I ever deserve to have. He has rebuked the devourer, I believe, on my behalf. And everything that I've given, I feel like I've gotten back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But if I'm honest and I'm thinking about when I give, most of the time, and I know it's true for you as well, because this is a giving church, but most of the time when we give, we are not at all concerned about what we can get. Not in that moment. Now, you might see what God blesses you with down the road and be like, I see that God blessed me for that. But in the moment, you're not giving in that offering saying, God, just give back to me. You know, I'm giving this 20 and I believe you're giving me 200. That's not not Bible. It's not Bible. But we give. The reason we give is we want to see the kingdom of God grow. We want to be a blessing to other people. We give to be like our heavenly Father. We give because we want to see this new building that we got plans for out in the foyer built. Not because we can just brag about it, not because we can tell our friends that we go to that church, but literally because there are are people that can't find a seat in this church every week, and we need to see the gospel spread to thousands and not fifties. That's the reason. That's the reason we give. We give generously because we want to support our pastor and we want missionaries at home and abroad to continue to be able to go where we cannot go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Generous giving has never been about you and I. It's always about others. It's always about the kingdom. And that's why God has asked asked us to do it in that way. If it was about me, I wouldn't need to be generous. What what I have is enough. But when it's about all this other stuff, when it's about souls, how can I be anything but generous? Finally, we must have a grateful heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 15 says this. And thou shalt remember, again, and this is all in this same chapter, so after you've given this, you shall remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. 
God says when the opportunity arises for us to give, we're not going to selfishly withhold that. We're not going to look for reasons not to do it. He says, instead, I want you to give generously out of what I blessed you with. Don't be looking around at what other people have. Just give from what I blessed you with. And once you give, you're not going to grieve over that. You're not going to feel bad about giving what I've called you to give, but you're going to do it joyfully. And you're going to do that rejoicing because you remember that not so long ago you were a slave in Egypt and I did the same thing for you. And if we want to be like our heavenly father tonight, we must remember that God has done for us all this and so much more. We must remember the great things that he has provided us with and blessed us with. In light of the salvation that we've experienced, what is it to us to give financially to the kingdom of God? What is it to me to give 10% or whatever percent that it might be in the end for my family when he's given me an inheritance that is out of this world literally? When he has given me better things than he gave Moses. When I get to experience the Holy Ghost every Sunday and every day of the week, for that matter. I get to experience things that Solomon, who had the temple and so he had gold all around him. Solomon would have given the entire world to experience what I get to experience every single day. And in light of that, what is it to me to sow back in so that others can experience this same thing that I have and sometimes take for granted? What is it for me to do that? The lost, while they're lost, will never know what it feels like to be saved. But the saved ought to never forget what it feels like to be lost. And if we don't forget what it felt like to be lost, we'll give. If we don't forget what it felt like before Jesus came into our lives, we won't have a problem giving. It's why we give. It's why we give generously. That's why we don't withhold out of selfishness. It's why we don't grieve when we give, no matter how much God calls us to give. It's because God has brought us all from a mighty long way. I remember what it feels like to be utterly hopeless. I remember. I remember what it feels like to when I go to sleep at night, lay down in my sin and lay down in my shame and lay down with no hope in the world. I remember. I remember what it feels like to feel hell-bound and condemned. I remember what it was like to come to an altar and experience Calvary for the first time. I remember that. I remember what it felt like to receive the Holy Ghost the first time. I remember what it feels like to be baptized in Jesus' name and have all your sins washed away. And I could do those things because sometime along the way a precious saint of God gave generously and faithfully without selfishness without grieving but they gave to see the kingdom of God grow they gave so that they could have a building and lights and a pastor and a baptistry and the things they needed to see Jesus Christ reach just another person they didn't give for them 
but they gave for me. The greatest moments of my life, and we can stand together, are because of God, sure. The greatest moments of my life are because of God. But they're made possible also because of givers. They're made possible because somebody decided to invest in the kingdom of God, not for themselves, but for the same reason that God stepped down onto this earth. And I'm grateful today that God delivered me out of Egypt and freed me from the slavery of sin. And I'm grateful for all the faithful and unselfish saints of God whose giving allowed me to be saved. Are you thankful for that tonight? If you remember what it felt like to be lost in sin, if you are thankful for people that invested in you and gave to the kingdom of God, why don't you slip a hand up tonight? Why don't we begin to thank Him for the goodness that He showed us? God, we thank You so much for the people that You called to give throughout the years. And we're not going to shy away from that opportunity, but we're going to embrace that. We're going to be givers that give not from selfishness. We're going to be givers who don't grieve when we give what you've called us to give. We're going to give generously and we're going to give remembering what you've done for us because that's the only way that we see this gospel reach the world. There are people in this community and there are people around the globe on this planet that will never know about you if we don't give. And so we pray that we would have that heart, that we would have that mindset that we would have the right motives that when we do this we're not doing it just to see what we can get but we're doing this to see people saved we're doing this to see the lost found we're doing this because people don't need to go to hell when heaven is an option and we're doing this to see the prodigals come home we're doing this for the same reason you gave your life at Calvary Jesus we love you God We worship you. We serve a great God. And it is our highest honor to be able to give into his kingdom. 